welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the She Talks Health podcast. This is your host, Sophie Shepard, founder of She Talks Health, and I am super, super excited for today's podcast because we have a doctor in the house. We've got Dr. Carolyn DeLucia. She is amazing. I was just getting to know her before we pressed record. She is truly a pioneer at the leading edge of non-invasive sexual wellness treatments, and she's the author of two crazy cool books. One is called Ultimate Intimacy, and the other one is Ultimate Connection, and we are going to be talking about the gender gap in healthcare today. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today, Sophie. I love your energy. We are going to have such a great time, and the message that we're sending is so critical at this time in the USA. It's so important, and I would love to hear a little bit. You were just kind of explaining the the top layer of one of your books. And I feel like that's such a good place to kind of go into this because holy smokes, women's libido, (laughs) it's not really talked about. Men's libido, definitely talked about, right? It's like, you know, we have to, we have to make sure the erection is okay, but women's sexual health, not so much. So tell us about um, your book, Ultimate Intimacy, and your book, Ultimate Connection. Why did you write them? What are they about? What can women learn from them and from you by reading them? Oh, thanks for asking. I will tell you that writing the first book, Ultimate Intimacy, I felt like I absolutely had to write it. Um, I work with about a thousand physicians worldwide in this field of intimate female sexual health. And yet nobody knows or very few people are aware of the treatments that exist for women. And so much of what happens in our lives as women is just thought of as, oh, I guess I got to deal with this now. And we normalize it, in other words, and we don't seek help and we suffer in silence. 100%. So, yeah, yet men don't do that. So this is the first sign of gender gap in healthcare: is that men voice their issues 
they go for help for the most part. And there's an enormous amount of available information on, let's, male sexual dysfunction. There are 20 drugs on the market for male sexual dysfunction, and there are only two in the past two years just now that came to market for women. But Viagra, as we know, has been on the market for over 20 years for men. So that's a first sign of a, of a gender gap in healthcare. So I wrote the first book to get that that message out. The second book, Ultimate Connection, is about having a connection with your partner. During COVID, there's never been a more obvious time where being in isolation and not being with those we loved or being able to feel a hug made such a huge difference. And so I just wrote the book to really emphasize the need for human connection. Oh, I love both of those messages. The first one is so, oh my gosh. It's like, we don't even, I don't think that as a society, we even recognize that there's a gap until you are the woman in the doctor's chair experiencing the gap. (laughs) And, you know, I think, I mean, just a, a little, I mean, it is still considered sexual wellness. I think, you know, outside of libido. And I think just maybe women's reproductive health in general is something that obviously I deal with on a daily basis. And what I find is that unless a woman is trying to get pregnant and can't, there are not a lot of extreme measures that are taken. Usually things are out of pocket, um, not talked about, oh, it's all in your head. Oh, just take a medication and shut up. I mean, I've personally experienced that multiple times dealing with Hashimoto's um, thyroiditis, which talk about a libido killer (laughs) when you have no spark because your thyroid is tanking. Um, And we're not really talking about like people really recognize in healthcare, like cardiovascular disease and all these big things, stroke, right? But we're not really talking about like quality of life things like our sexual wellness and our sexual health, especially for women. Um, and it's totally different, right? Our, even our, what turns us on or our hormones are 100% different than men. So not only are we not addressing it or not talking about it and it's being swept under the rug, but we also have this issue where it's like, we need to talk about it even more and we need more information. Like I can't tell you how many women I've spoken to that don't understand their menstrual cycle. They, They don't understand. And so if you don't understand your menstrual cycle, There's so many things you're missing out on. And then we go into menopause and we're like, oh my gosh, what's going on with my body and what's wrong with me and all these things. And because we never even had any sound foundational information about our bodies in the first place, because it's just not talked about. So I just love this. I have to read this book. I am so excited. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a quick read. I didn't make it a big giant novel because we as women are so busy and we're doing so many things and we're always multitasking. We're mothers, we're, we're professionals. We are take trying to be a partner it's really a lot so i tried to make it quick and concise yeah Yeah. i think that's really important because you're right i mean that's the other part of what's going on in 2021 is women are super women we are moms and business owners and we're all doing all the things and it's just like how do we manage all of this so okay so you wrote this book i mean you wrote two books um and then i believe you also have a clinic is that correct 
Oh, yes. I have two offices, one in New Jersey and one in Manhattan. And um, it basically my practice uh, in New Jersey is a general GYN practice added with the intimate wellness and basically medical spa. In New York City, it's all concentrated on the medical spa uh, intimate wellness. Wow. So the the issue that occurs in this field, you know, it got such a bad rap. The word that was used when all of this began was vaginal rejuvenation, which mm-hmm. is just such a misnomer and gives a negative connotation. When in, it was around 2014, 2013, And this young strapping young man comes walking in my office and he goes, Dr. Delusia, I have a laser that rejuvenates the vagina. And I said, turn around and don't let the door hit you in the keystone. Out. Get out. And I did. I threw him out of the office. Literally, he was out the door. Oh, my gosh. Then he came back in. And he's like, please, please listen to me. Um, and he completely humbled himself. And he had been referred by someone I knew. And out of respect for the referral, I listened a little longer. And thank God I did. So what he said to me in that second breath was, we think it can help vaginal lubrication and urinary incontinence. And I said, you say what? <laughs> <laughs> Now you're speaking my language. Have a seat. Yeah. You want to help people. Okay. (laughs) Now we're talking the right thing. So this wasn't about men, which we are so used to in the female world. Everything about making it better for them. (laughs) It was about female intimacy and the ability to be an active and willing participant. So as we age, few things happen. First, we're mothers and the vagina changes quite a bit. Some women can have six kids and it looks like they never had any, but others have one and they're never the same. One of my patients described her vagina after her first child like a used softball glove that we have laying on the bottom of our, everyone has it on the bottom of their closet. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, at least she was giving the description, no one else. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So it's a um, situation where we don't quite feel the same. There, uh, there's wall laxity. And the way I like to describe this is before a baby, our vagina is cylindrical. After the baby, it's kind of a square and we fall in from all four sides. It looks different when the speculum goes in to the gynecologist. And what happens is the both walls on the side give us laxity, not, not as much friction with sex. Then the top wall, well, that's our bladder. And when that weakens, we leak. Mm -hmm. The bottom floor is our rectum. And that as well can be weakened and bulge into the vagina. I know women in order to empty their bowels, they have to stick their fingers in the vagina and press down on that back wall so that it can get in the right direction to exit, which is just Yes. And women suffer like this all the time and never speak of it. And it's very real. 
and does not have to be ignored. There are ways to treat this. So that laser was the first thing. And it treats the full length of the vagina painlessly in five minutes, bringing new blood supply and new collagen to the walls. And in doing so, it's taking like an overstretched rubber band into a brand new rubber band. Wow. Okay. I have so many questions. And also, (laughs) this is just reminding me of a client that I had who's had two babies. And when she came to me, she was dealing with incontinence. Um, of her bowel, but of her bowel. And, uh-huh. and that was just so heartbreaking for her, you know, um, to, to have this issue. And she's like, I am a grown woman and I am literally pooping my pants and it's just not talked about, you know, I mean, it's just not talked about. That's, I mean, thank you for explaining the four wall, um, mm-hmm. visual. I, I'm a visual person. So that really makes sense to me and, and how that would work and how this technology that we are so blessed to have can really sounds like restore kind of function back to, to where you were prior to having children. Yes. And so it's now termed restorative gynecology internationally and regenerative gynecology, not vaginal rejuvenation because we're not trying. <laughs> <It's a terrible laughs> we're It is just terrible. And it was also associated with uh, surgeries that were done. And even those were deemed aesthetic. Most women were not having them to look pretty. Most women who were having the procedures for enlarged labia were doing it because they were in the way and affecting their quality of life. Mm -hmm. For example, a young dancer who's in a leotard perpetually, but has three inches of labia minora hanging from between her legs. How does that, how do you adjust that in a leotard? And it's that situation makes it very indicated to have a surgical procedure. And it's not about what it looks like. It's about function. Not that having it improved in appearance doesn't give her more confidence. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that either. So, you know, having confidence in the bedroom is critical as well. We're all so Mm self-conscious of ourselves, you know, from children, it's like toes, knees and toes, shoulders, knees and toes. We skip everything in the middle. What happened you know, we're not supposed to talk about the vagina. We're not supposed to touch the vagina. You know, what is a vagina? You know, and um, it's a it should be much more open and talked about. I love it. I love just the fluidity of the speech that you have too. It's just like, yep, and this is it. And we're going <laughs> to talk about it and vagina and labia. And, you know, it, I mean, it's just not, even that is not something that people want to talk about. And it's funny because in, in my work, I talk a lot about, period poops. I talk about vaginas. I talk about menstrual blood. And, you know, it's funny because when you first start talking to someone who doesn't know you about that stuff, they're like, wow, you really just (laughs) letting it rip. I'm like, yeah, because it's all more than half the population deals with this stuff. So yeah, I'm just going to talk about it. Like, let's go. (laughs) Um, so, okay. So you have this, this new technique that, that helps to rejuvenate. Is that the right Mm -hmm. word? (laughs) Not restore, to restore, <laughs> uh, restore. Um, and so is that what you primarily would prescribe and do for a woman? Are there other treatments that someone might, um, might come to you with? And I also, I guess would ask, 
you've mentioned incontinence of um, and and the, the obstruction even in the in the bowel, mm-hmm. and you've mentioned children. You've mentioned the labia. Are there any other things that a woman could be dealing with that aren't talked about except for on this podcast that they'd be like, I wonder if she could help with this. Um, so yeah, are there other treatments and are, are there other things that could be going going on with somebody that they might seek treatment for through your clinic? Absolutely. So there's, uh, with the event of having a laser that was treating the vagina, of course, the industry exploded. And there are different energy-based tools that are used. One is radiofrequency is another power that can be used. And there are many devices that came to market. They're less expensive for a physician to buy, hence less expensive for the patient. Therefore, they gained popularity rather quickly, um, but they're not quite as effective overall as a laser is, which is still the gold standard. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they are effective um, and they can help. So they're less invasive. They just take longer, generally speaking. As far as a woman in the exam room, uh, some of these devices go in and out of the vagina for up to 20 minutes. So that can be somewhat um, uncomfortable for either the provider and or the patient. So that's, um, that's one aspect. Then there's also energy called HIFEM, high intensity focused electromagnetic energy. Whoa. This is in the form of a chair. And you simply, it's called Msela trademark um, brand, and you there's no competition for it in the United States, so I can use its name, and uh, one company, and you sit on it, and it forces your pelvic floor musculature, every fiber to contract 11,200 times in 28 minutes. And it rebuilds that pelvic floor musculature stronger than ever could be done before. So as far as pelvic floor training, there's nothing better or more efficient. It's six treatments, two a week for three weeks. And maintenance is about once every four to six months. And you just have to come in for one or two visits at that point. The intensity of this chair is what sets it apart. It's um, a two Tesla magnet is the intensity. And it can fire every single nerve in the pelvic floor, making the muscles contract much stronger than you could ever Kegel on your own. So with that, it's building the number and size of muscle fibers in the pelvic floor, which is what sets it apart. Oh my gosh, that sounds incredible. Now it's funny that you mentioned pelvic floor and and Kegels because I literally on Monday interviewed another gal who's a pelvic floor um, practitioner Mm -hmm. around women's health a lot of postpartum and she was saying what's really interesting in her work is she finds it's depending on the woman and also like you mentioned earlier what happened in birth or Mm -hmm. not even in birth but she was saying that one of the things she's finding so fascinating is recently 
is that women's pelvic floor are too tight. So maybe in that type of person, this is not the right thing. I don't know a lot about it, but it, it is. It's an oxymoron, Sophia. So this is the key. Women who have something called vaginismus, which is an involuntary spasm of the pelvic floor muscles, can be fully retrained with this device. Wow. So it's it works it to fatigue, and that's the key here. Kind of like working these. out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So it fatigues them and they're forced to relax. But I will mention that in my practice, oh. not only do I use this device, but Botox has a role there, a huge role in vaginismus, and it's greatly underutilized. So women use Botox on their forehead for their little frown lines, but it can be used for an overactive bladder, which means women who get up five times a night to pee, uh, they can have Botox injected into the inside of their bladder. And they could also, when they have vaginismus, when that muscle is like a rock, I mean, I'm telling you, it's like a rock. Mm -hmm. You can relax it with Botox injections. And usually once that muscle relaxes, it doesn't typically re-spasm. So it's an, a one-time need. It's not like other Botox treatments where women have to keep coming back. I was just going to ask that. Yeah. Is it multiple times? And that makes, I mean, I don't know a ton about like what's in Botox to be honest with you, but I, that makes sense to me just because I have had like a lot of spasms in my neck in the past week, actually I got injured and I went to acupuncture and obviously with that, it's just dry needling, but they're able to get into the muscle and the whole muscle just completely relaxes. And it's like my neck was a rock and now it's relaxed. So that would, that makes sense to me. Now, are there any with both the, I can't remember the name of, of the one, the electric <laughs> frequency one and the Botox, are there any um, concerns about like EMF or what's in Botox, like just from a chemical perspective or anything like that? No. Uh, the risk of Botox still exists, same as when placed in the face, that if it were to get a, a too high a dose directly into the bloodstream, which is extremely rare, um, there could be issues with relaxation of the breathing muscles. But I think that it is using the pure brand of neurotoxins that are on the U.S. market. Botox isn't the only one. There are now four, but using those types of products, you're in, you're pretty safe uh, not to run into that problem mm -hmm. when you have a trained provider. But when it, that's key though, having a trained provider. So there are courses that are taught to educate providers on how to do these procedures and I teach in those courses worldwide and there there's it's growing in its uh, relevance that's great I mean sounds like something that could really radically change so many different types of women's bodies like uh-huh so much it sounds like from everything from childbirth to um to the way just you were born to um badnismus which is so uncomfortable i mean god devastating. that's awful. devastating um mm -hmm. wow this is incredible okay so is there anything else that you wanted to just bringing it all the way back to the top because we had kind of started about yeah. the gender gap in healthcare and we went into this all these amazing treatments so is this where you see like 
the pathway being built for closing this gap when it comes to sexual wellness? Or is there anything else you would want women to know about the gender gap to look out for? Um, just so curious. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, honey. Oh, yes. So <laughs> go, go. I want to hear all of it. <laughs> um, let me just quickly say that the whole rest of our armamentarium in this field is for women who have painful intimacy and lack of orgasm or difficulty orgasming. So these are regenerative procedures that exist using our own blood, like platelet-rich plasma, like the vampire facial can be used in the vagina and bring back sensation. Fantastic, fantastic procedures. So, And women who are experiencing vaginal dryness, all of these procedures can also help with that without using hormones. Yet, when we talk about gender gap in healthcare and especially in women's health, uh, this breaks my heart. One of the reasons that there is more attention, uh, this is going to make you sick, to male health issues when it comes to intimate health is because they believe men can't have sex if they don't have an erection. But even if women don't feel pleasure or don't have sensation, they can still have sex. That makes me want to hit my head against the concrete. Okay. That's what we're dealing. As women feel... I know. And, and so the the prayer is that as more women get involved in medicine, and that's another gender gap in healthcare, women are, uh, we are increasing in number in medical schools. Pretty much the schools are 50-50 now. We don't get paid the same. We don't get the same opportunities. Women in medicine have a uh, the whole nother level to fight to be recognized. Oh my gosh. I can't Very believe true. that women doctors are not paid the same as male doctors. No, we are not. That's ridiculous. Nope. Oh, mm-hmm. that makes me even more angry. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, it's just a ripple effect. It's just an absolute ripple effect. So when we talk about libido, libido is your desire to be intimate. And it's also related to how it feels to be intimate. That plays a direct role. So we can improve libido by improving sensation because if it feels good, you're going to want to do it more. That's an indirect way. So some of these treatments I've already mentioned fall into that category. The other way to do it is hormones. And what women have to realize is that we have three hormones coming out of our ovaries. We have testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone. Preach it. (laughs) Testosterone often gets brushed under the carpet and viewed as toxic to women any form of testosterone for women that was pharmaceutical grade was synthetic and had to be pulled off the market because it did increase our risks of cardiovascular disease. But the FDA right now is trying to even take away bioidentical hormone therapy, which is 
made by compounding pharmacies and stopping them from making testosterone that women can use and that changes lives, let me tell you. So as women age gradually, what I see in our early 40s is that women come in and begin to have less interest. They're like, you know what? I don't really care if I have sex anymore. It does. I don't have those fantasies. Brad Pitt doesn't even do it for me anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know? because, well, because we don't, I mean, we lose those, those natural hormones when we go through med- right. And I always also just to like bring it back to women who might be earlier than 40, like sometimes I'll get this question, which you'll, I'm sure you'll appreciate. Well, should I want to have sex all the time? Because sometimes I'm just like not in the mood. And I'm like, actually you have your highest amount of testosterone right at ovulation, which is very convenient if you want to have a child. <laughs> but if your partner wants to have sex with you and you're about to have your period, you're not going to have as much testosterone then and you might not have as much desire and that is okay, right? That is okay. Um, yeah. Again, our bodies are different. Men have testosterone all every day, resets every 24 hours, women, not the case. So I love where you're going with this because I think low libido is probably something that like gets skipped in a lot of even my intake forms. Like people will just leave it off. And then like, you know, halfway through a program, they'll be like, oh yeah. And like, I also don't want to have sex with my husband. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. (laughs) This is quality of life. We've got to get this back online. So, okay. So as women are getting into their forties, Brad Pitt's not even sexy for them anymore. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And all of a sudden they don't have as much desire and they start looking at their partner and saying, do I still love you? And you know, it's, it's a natural response is to try to evaluate why am I feeling this way? And they don't know what to put their finger on. And in all sincerity, looking for it, if you go to the appropriate physician and you get your blood work, it is severely diminished testosterone levels. And that is what will decrease in some women way before they start losing their estrogen and their progesterone. The symptoms of perimenopause a gloom that comes over. It's like a gray cloud. It's like Eeyore. Oh, another sunny day. You know, (laughs) women feel this gloom that follows them. And it's because of lack of testosterone. It's a mood elevator. It's a mood stabilizer. And guess what else, women? It helps you sleep. How many women don't sleep? Unbelievable. Absolutely. And then just compound compounding lower estrogen or lower progesterone even more for sleep. I mean, ooh, and and women in their 20s and 30s, I'll tell you, do not they're not making enough progesterone either. So they're not getting that sleep, um, that sleep hormone. Yeah, it's it's rough. So okay, so you were saying the FDA is trying to ban testosterone specifically, um, but all, all compounded pharma, all pharmaceuticals, and especially limiting the availability of these for men and female patients. But for us, it's even more devastating because we don't have anything commercial, whereas men do have a few commercial grade testosterone gels, this or that, but we don't. So taking away the compounding pharmacy's ability to make these for us completely eliminates the physician's ability to prescribe it. And um, that's frightening because it's so 
critical in longevity. And let's talk a second about longevity. We are living longer, but we right now don't like what 100 looks like. Pretty much the average 100-year-old is in a wheelchair in the corner drooling, and yet we have medication that's keeping their heart going, medications keeping their kidneys functioning, but they're not having quite the quality of life we'd like to see. Mm. So how do we make that look better? Because any baby born today, the life expectancy is 120 and how are we going? Yeah. So how are we going to make it better? And we have to think about what makes us age. And losing our hormones is critical aspect of aging in women and in men. But even more so for us, because ovaries start to become senescent or senile <laughs> as early as 35. And that's why there's a risk of increased chromosomal deformities in babies born over 35, because our ovaries are beginning to fail already. And men's testes, as we know, Fred Astaire had a baby at 80 or something, you, know, you they can keep on going. And that's not the case for our gonads. Their gonads last, ours don't. And with that, we need to be able to maintain our hormonal milieu in order to maintain our longevity, Mm -hmm. our quality of life, our ability to sleep at night, exercise, build muscle, lose fat, have energy, mental acuity, libido and sensation. Wow. Well, we'll hope that um, this amazing ability to help women um, with their loss of testosterone and other hormones continues to be available. Um, Definitely. um, I don't, I work with women who are, uh, well, that's not true. Actually, I I shouldn't say that. I do end up working with women in their fifties and sixties. It's just usually about their gut health and not so much their hormones. Cause I'm obviously not prescribing physician for, you know, bioidenticals and things like that. But I do see, you know, when younger women and we, we sometimes we do use like progesterone and things like that, or refer out for progesterone. Um, And also like, you know, if you are younger and you're listening to this, now is the time. Take care of yourself now. Um, your main way of creating hormones after your ovaries become senile, this is the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard, um, is by managing your stress. Specifically, you know, your adrenal glands are the only place where you're going to be creating, you know, some of those hormones. So make sure you're taking care of yourselves now, ladies, and, and really um, paying attention to this now, getting enough sun, working out, sleeping, reducing stress, eating well. All of those things are going to help, you know, <laughs> if, and they're not going to maybe fix everything, but they're going to help. And um, we'll just hope that, you know, what um, Dr. Carolyn's doing is going to actually be possible in the long run. And um, I am just so, fa- I mean, I'm just fa- fascinated by this. You have so many tools at your fingertips. Um, yeah. I'm curious what you would say to someone who, you know, this is a pretty holistic practice that I run and pretty holistic podcast. These are obviously medical treatments. You know, people might be like, Oh my gosh, Botox, I'm afraid. Or, you know, what would you say to someone who might be like suffering, but afraid of coming in to doing something like this? Like, because it's not, you know, it's more medical or, you know, it's like a medical procedure. Like, what would you say to someone like that? Does that ever come up in your practice? 
Um, I think that honestly, this fits right into a holistic practice because it's non-invasive. It's not uh, altering your actual chemistry. It's boosting your body to repair itself. Mm-hmm. All of these procedures and even the platelet-rich plasma is about your own portion of your own blood that helps you heal yourself. So it's, and even the bioidentical hormones are again, bioidentical, identical to what our body makes plant derived. So I feel, first of all, every person is an individual. No one's going to force you to do anything you're not 100% comfortable with. And that you coming up with a plan that works with you and your desires and your desired endpoint. What do you need to see resolved to improve your quality of life mm-hmm. and your in empowerment and the way you face the world every day? The and that's the most story. important thing. Yes, I agree. That's like my whole mission, empowering women mm-hmm. worldwide to feel supercharged by their hormones and in their body. And I think women can take over the world. Um, and we get mm-hmm. limited by these things like these gender gaps in healthcare and all of these different areas. So it's just so great to see a pioneer like you coming out and being like, enough is enough. Quality of life is important. Libido is important. Sexual health is important. We have to work with women to help build up this part of their health. It's just as equally as important as something else that is, you know, mainstream. Yes. And I'm hoping my vision is that all of these non-invasive, simple procedures become mainstream. And when a woman goes to the gynecologist for her pap smear or her yearly visit to discuss whatever she's experiencing, these procedures are part and parcel of that and not something that's elite and only for those who have extra money in their pocket. It needs to be mainstream and, and accepted as absolutely part of maintaining our health. Because if we continue to maintain those tissues of the vagina, we won't have the extreme cases of what we call prolapse or uh, pelvic organ prolapse, POP. And that is when women have their uterus acts as a piston and coming down and pulling out all those four walls. And it's just devastating. You, It's very uncomfortable. There's pressure. There's a, sometimes, of course, func- abnormal function of the bladder, of the bowel, and it's uh, dehumanizing, embarrassing. So uh, if there's a statistic, women who you who lose urine have stress incontinence with a cough, sneeze, jump, for example, mm-hmm. 45% of those women will not be intimate because they are afraid of having an accident with their partner. And that's 33% of women have some form of urinary incontinence. So 45% of 33% are not having sex. Oh that's my just God. not okay. No, it's just not okay. It's not okay. And then to, to bring it into like a bigger, you know, you can see the domino effect. Well, now you don't mm-hmm. have sex with your partner. Your partner's like, well, what's wrong with me? Or maybe they seek seek that somewhere else and you lose that intimacy altogether. I mean, this is like a huge spiral effect. How does That's that affect exactly your kids? Right. You know, I mean, ugh, yes, we have, this has to be supported and addressed. Um, You know, you brought something up there, which was, you know, that your vision and your, your hope is that this will be not something that's expensive, that something's covered and that's just like routine. 
given that it's not now, if someone were to go to the regular OBGYN, I can only imagine because I've had so many conversations with my OBGYN that have not gone well as someone in my 30s. So um, if someone goes and they're, you know, I have no libido or I have pain, they're probably not going to get a lot of support. Um, where would someone look? I mean, obviously, if they're in New York or New Jersey, go see Dr. Delusia. But if they're not there, like, what do they do? Who, who, what do they Google? How do they find someone like you? Or mm -hmm. I don't know. How does that work? Yeah. If they Google vaginal restoration or restorative gynecology, regenerative gynecology, I think the appropriate type of provider will pop up. Um, most of us use those as search engines, optimization. <laughs> That's the way we're found on Google. <laughs> but um, when it comes to finding the physician, if there's any, any ever any question, they can always email me, tell me where they are, and I will get them the best expert right in their area. There's usually someone within an hour's drive. Wow. That's so. amazing. Okay. Well, we yeah. definitely, definitely want to make sure we, we link into your website um, in the show notes yeah. where we can find you if they're in the area or reach out to you if they're trying to find Absolutely. someone in California or something. Exactly. Oh my goodness. I mean, I have so many great, amazing physicians out in California that, that do what I do. So I'm not alone. I'm, I've just got a big mouth and I'm trying to make everyone <laughs> know. That, I love it. I have a big mouth too. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. I think this has been just an amazing, amazing podcast. I personally learned so much on this and I'm like, you know, I, I guess I'm a little more hopeful about as I age and as, you know, things change in my, in my body and my vagina. I'm so, I'm just happy to know you and that you're doing this work and you're using your big mouth for good. Um, <laughs> is there anything you want to leave um, the listeners with today? Um, where can they find you? Any other advice? Well, my website is www.drcarolindelucia.com. Dot com. My uh, Instagram is Dr. Carolyn Delusia. Couldn't be more simple. Um, my free book, how about that? In Ultimate Intimacy is free download at www.ultimateintimacy.net. And if you do that, you could get my Ultimate Intimacy book downloaded right onto your cell phone and boom oh, <laughs> Read it in the well, we will link um your instagram your website and your book into the show notes so people can quickly grab them um this has just been fire i absolutely love this we'll have to have you thank back you. um to talk about this some more thank you so much for being on the show today thank you so much for having me sophia one other thing about hormones the the coalition that we're working with is a4 the number four pc.org. And you could go there to learn about what's happening with the FDA and our bioidentical hormone therapy. Wonderful. Well, um, we'll link that as well into the show notes so people can learn more about that. Um, that's amazing that, that you're fighting and um, for women everywhere um, to have that. So thank you again for coming on and sharing all this. And um, I'm sure educating in a way that people probably never even thought of. Thank you for having me and thank you for all you do.
Thank you. And thank you to the listeners. Thank you guys for spending 40 minutes with us learning about vaginal health and sexual wellness. We um, loved having this conversation and we cannot wait to see you on the next podcast of She Talks Health Podcast. See you then. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.